As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, campers. Grab your marshmallows and gather around the true crime campfire. We're your camp counselors. I'm Katie. And I'm Whitney. And we're here to tell you a true story that is way stranger than fiction. We're roasting murderers and marshmallows around the true crime campfire. So, campers, in part one, we learned about Angelina Rodriguez, a greedy opportunist with a heart of darkness. Angie's first marriage crumbled after the tragic, accidental, death of their baby daughter, Alicia, and after cashing in on the $50,000 life insurance policy she'd taken out on the baby the day before she died, not to mention the nearly $800,000 settlement from suing the company that made the pacifier that caused Alicia's death, Angie lived high on the hog for a while. But that money ran out, much faster than anyone would have expected, and Angie soon moved on to a new target. I mean, husband. Frank Rodriguez, whom she snagged by carefully molding herself into the image of the pious, Christian family woman Frank had always dreamed of. But when healthy 41-year-old Frank died of unknown causes not long after their wedding, investigators began to suspect that this grieving widow might not be grieving after all. And when we left you at the end of part one, detectives were about to get an earful from Angie's best friend, Palmyra. Join us now for part two of Try Try Again, The Murder of Frank Rodriguez. Angie had quickly soured on Frank. He was too strict with her daughter, Autumn. He was possessive with her. And he made her feel like, quote, he was everything, she was nothing. At one point, Palmyra said, well, just divorce him like you do everybody else. <laughs> Which, yes, Angie, listen to the voice of reason, Palmyra. Palmyra is wise. Palmyra is wise. But Angie said, no way, can't do it. This one has a life insurance policy. If <laughs> that I took out on him. <laughs> if I were to kill him, at least I'd get a little money. Gross. Now, Palmyra and her mom were there and just assumed she was kidding. Yet again. 
No one kids about this stuff. Okay, I'm sorry. So Palmyra, her mom, and Angie started chatting about a case that the mother had read about where a woman put oleander in her husband's tea. It's a book, actually. It's called White Oleander. Yeah, sure is. Now, campers, in case you don't know, oleander is a plant that is common in California, and the leaves are super poisonous. In fact, there's a really sad case where a couple of toddlers died from eating the leaves. The poor little babies. Yeah. Anyway, Angie said several times she should just kill Frank and get it over with. And one day, Palmyra called Angie and heard a noise in the background. A blender. So Palmyra asked, what are you doing? And Angie replied, oh, I'm making Frank a special milkshake. He likes them when he's sick. And Palmyra goes, oh, is he sick? And Angie said, not yet. Wow. Yikes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yikes indeed. So that first ER trip, when Frank started showing symptoms, those symptoms were very consistent with oleander poisoning. The coroner ran a blood test on Frank's blood, and he did have oleander in his system at the time of his death, though probably not in quantities high enough to kill him, just enough to make him sick as a dog. There had to be a second toxin, but you have to know what to look for in a tox screen. There's no test that just shows any and everything that's in your system. And by the way, all through this investigation, Angie had been bugging the shit out of the cops. Where's my cause of death? Why don't they have the cause of death yet? <laughs> I love your Angie impression. <laughs> I just assume she We're has an annoying like, voice. Cause of death. That's our Angie <laughs> voice. That's our official true crime campfire Angelina mm-hmm. Rodriguez impression. Yeah, we have Diazen. We have Angelina. <laughs> Both are very accurate, okay? I'm sure. But the point was, she was getting desperate for that payout. Mm-hmm. And desperate people tend to do stupid shit. Excellent. They told Angie, look, the holdup is we don't know what poisons to look for. We can't get a cause of death until we narrow it down. Angie played it so cool, at least at first. She went, huh, I can't think of anything. Yeah, and then she said, well, maybe it could be those flowers on the side of the road everywhere. What are they called? I can't think of it. And she got increasingly frustrated when the cops pretended to not be able to think of it either. <laughs> like trying not to overplay her hand. I mean, she's being very clever at this point. And the next thing she did was she called the detectives all excited and she said she'd gotten an anonymous phone call. And she said she didn't know who the person was, but they'd said they wanted to tell her what was going on because they'd had a lot of respect for Frank. And they said they'd had a conversation with a co-worker, and coincidentally, this was the same co-worker that Angie had accused of molesting students at Angel's Gate and threatening Frank. This co-worker had said, they won't be able to pin me down for this. And then the caller said that the police needed to check for antifreeze. Angie said she tried desperately to convince the caller to give up their name, but no dice. They just said, check for antifreeze, and hung up. Oh, wow. How generous. I know, right? This was getting more and more like a movie every day. 
<laughs> Angie must have felt like she was working harder at this point than the cops were. <laughs> and on the one hand, she was very clever coming up with this stuff. But on the other hand, she was a bonehead. Because it apparently did not occur to her that, you know, the cops can check your phone records and see whether you actually did get a phone call in a certain date and time. Duh, Angie, you dingus. And unsurprisingly, she didn't get any phone call at the time she said she did. Oh my god, I'm thankful that these people are such idiots. But how hard is it to just call yourself from a burner phone? Right? Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> Oy. But if she had done that, she would have, I promise you, gone to some place with a really good security camera and she would have paid for it with a credit card. <laughs> Absolutely. Because again, bonehead. So <laughs> the toxicologist did find a buttload of antifreeze in Frank's blood. I mean, a metric bungload. Like this poor guy died with 12 ounces of antifreeze in his body. That's like a can of soda. Mm -hmm. And it, it only takes like an ounce to kill an adult human being. Yes, and I'm on yet another watch list <laughs> now because I had to look that up. So once again, hi, FBI. I promise we're not murderers. Hi, FBI. <laughs> <laughs> we love your work in the behavioral sciences department. So mm -hmm. the theory now was that Angie had started poisoning Frank with oleander. And when that didn't work fast enough and just made him sick as hell, she switched to antifreeze. The ER doc had told Frank to drink lots and lots of Gatorade to replace his electrolytes because he was vomiting and he had diarrhea. And interestingly enough, the flavor of Gatorade that Frank liked was the same exact color as antifreeze, that chartreuse green. Angie had bought lots and lots of Gatorade on the day that she brought him home from the ER. Oh, and this is delightful. By the way, she got her nine-year-old daughter to help her bring Frank lots and lots of Gatorade over the next few days. Her nine-year-old who loved Frank like a father. Ugh. I hate this hose bag, you guys. I just hate her so much. <clears throat> so things were chugging along nicely with the investigation, but they still needed more. So they reached out to the former co-worker that Angie had accused of killing Frank. They asked him if he'd be willing to call Angie and confront her about telling the cops he was responsible for killing Frank with antifreeze and let them listen in on the call, of course. So he agreed, you know, sure, anything I can do to help. So he called Angie up and said, Angie, why did you tell the detectives I poisoned Frank with antifreeze? What did I ever do to you or to Frank? Frank was my friend, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And Angie was like really nasty to him and said, how did you get my number? And I shouldn't be talking to you. And she just hung up on him. And 45 seconds later, she called the lead detective. And interestingly enough, her account of the call was very different than what they had just witnessed on the wire. She said the former co-worker had threatened her. You'd better stop spreading this stuff around or else. They'll never be able to catch me anyway. You'd better watch your back, mustache twirl, mustache twirl. <laughs> <laughs> right. And she told the detective she was scared to death. So this was hot stuff, right? And the case was really starting to come together, but they needed one more ingredient to make a strong circumstantial case against Angie. So they told her, look, junior detective Angie... The only thing standing between us and arresting this co-worker for Frank's murder is that we need proof that this guy knew Frank was going to be at Angel's Gate that day of the field trip. Because if he didn't know in advance that Frank was going to be there, he couldn't have known to prepare the poison Gatorade that he gave him. Because remember, Angie told him that Frank came home from that field trip saying, oh, they gave me Gatorade and cookies, right? And Detective Steinwan said there appears to be nothing that says that Frank was coming up there that day. So ever the dutiful junior detective, Angie got right on it. And soon after that conversation, the detectives received an anonymous fax, 
which was a list of teachers' names, a roster of teachers on Angel's Gate letterhead listing the people who had been invited to chaperone that field trip. And one of the typed names had been crossed out, and the name Frank Rodriguez had been written next to it in pen. Y'all, she just crossed out this other teacher's name and wrote in Frank's name in a pen. <laughs> Great googly moogly. What did you say a second ago about desperate people getting stupid? Mm-hmm. That's big stupid, Angie. Wow. Bless your heart, honey. Big stupid. So I think I mentioned earlier that Angie isn't always too great with details. Well, this was all well and good, if a little bit sloppy. I mean, you'd think she would at least use whiteout and, like, type <laughs> Frank's name over the other one instead of writing it in a pen. But the problem was, when you send a fax, there's always a line at the top of the page that lists the location that you faxed it from. And this list of names was faxed from a Staples right down the street from Angie's apartment. Not from Angel's Gate. From a Staples right down the street from Angie's place. So, good try. Bless your heart, Angie, honey. (laughs) And this was the last little piece of the puzzle they needed to get an arrest warrant. So, on February 5th, 2001, they showed up at Angie's door. And she thought that they were there to pick her up and let her watch them arrest this co-worker that she tried to frame, this Peter guy. Wait, wait, wait. Did they do that? <laughs> Can I request my local PD to let me come watch random arrests? <laughs> Law enforcement campers, please let me know. Okay, thanks. Yeah, can we just come with you when you arrest, like, stupid asshole murderers? That would be fun. <laughs> so we can watch their little faces just fall like, wait, you mean I'm not Professor Moriarty? I'm not <laughs> Hannibal Lecter? I'm not a criminal mastermind like I thought I was? Cusses. Right. And <laughs> Yeah. And when they offered to pick her up, she said, oh, good. I can't wait to see the look on his face. Oh my God, she's the worst. Yeah. The look on the face of this completely innocent man she tried to frame for a murder she committed. This bitch is the worst. And she said at one point, I hope they'll be able to fry his ass. So she was like rooting for this innocent person to like get the death penalty. Just a completely innocent, like a guy who has done nothing to her. Right. She knows perfectly well that he's innocent. He was weird. That was his crime. that was his worst crime is that he was an odd duck. Crikey. And boy, was she upset when they told her that they were here to arrest her dumbass. She started wailing. No, I didn't kill my husband, I swear. Ugh. Oh, well, if you swear, we'll just let you go. You can watch this, by the way. We'll try and find it, like, if it's on YouTube or something. But there's a mm-hmm. little documentary about this case, and they have, like, body cam footage of the arrest. And she just gets all weepy. Don't you just love it when they turn on the waterworks? Like, where were these tears mm. when you were taking your daughter's stepdad away from her, you skankwad from hell? Where were the tears then, Angie? Shove them up your they ass. They weren't advantageous for her then. Right, Whitney. exactly. So, Angie was remanded without bail. Yay. But one thing we know about this woman is that she is unwilling to give up. While in jail, waiting for her trial to start, Angie first tried her darndest to manipulate Palmyra into telling the detectives she'd lied in her statement about the oleander and the poison milkshake and all that. She said, look, people retract their statements all the time. Just tell them you caught me sleeping with your boyfriend and you wanted to get back at me. They'll buy that. 
Like, what does that say about you? Like, that's the kind of shit she would do. So she thinks that's reasonable. (laughs) Right. And and she told Palmyra that if she didn't take back her statement, she might be in trouble, too. Basically, Angie pulled out all the manipulative stop to try to get her former best friend to back off. It didn't seem to be working based on the phone calls recorded by the jail. Especially when, in the final call, Angie pretty much straight up told Palmyra that her attorney had told her she'd get a reduced sentence if she could show that other people, i.e. Palmyra, Daniel, and Palmyra's poor mom, (laughs) who was there for, for her Oleander conversation, were involved. She was willing to throw her best friend and surrogate mom under the bus to reduce her own prison sentence. She even said, I can't say that I would have even thought these things without you. For God's sake. Because she brought up the case of the woman who killed Mm -hmm. her husband with Oleander as a joke. So, of course, it's Palmyra's fault that you're a psychopath. Yeah, because when I listen to these cases... I just can't wait to get married to try out these various murder techniques. I know, right? Like, most of us wouldn't hear that and think, yeah, I'm going to try that. You freaking <laughs> asshole. And by the way, also, can we talk about what a bonehead she is in not realizing that those calls were recorded? Oh Angie, honey, Lord have mercy. Moriarty, she is not. Most definitely not. So, this is going to come to us a shock, but Palmyro's pissed. <laughs> like, yeah. She was like, how dare you you know my family and i had nothing to do with this and angie ended the call with a thinly veiled threat i don't want to see anything happen to you or your family you tell them you were lying all this is gone and then for the cherry on top of the shit sunday she promised that if palmyra retracted her statement and got her out of jail she'd walk away from daniel (laughs) So basically, hey, sis, I promise I won't bang your nephew anymore if you get me out of here. So if that's what you're worried about, don't. Astonishing. Palmyra, as you can imagine, was just floored and indignant and angry. This was someone she had thought of as a sister for years. Imagine... What it would be like to see someone's mask fly off like this and realize that you mean nothing to them. That they'd yeet you into oncoming traffic if it would make their life a little bit easier. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Palmyra made it clear she wasn't retracting jack shit. (laughs) Yeah. And Angie hung up angry. I'm sure if anything, 
this conversation made Palmyra even more committed to working oh, with the prostitution. Hell yeah, I'd be raring to go. Mm-hmm. Throw down, bitch. And Angie scored herself a witness tampering charge on top of the murder charge. <laughs> she's killing it, man. She's just she's just Boy. building building a case against herself so well. She worked so hard for the for the state. <laughs> she really did. She did a great she job really of convicting herself in this case. Yeah. So Angie is very personable. Yeah. So she befriended another inmate. Because, you know, she's a charismatic figure, right? Mm-hmm. And before long, she started talking about wanting to hire somebody to, like, just kill her former friend, it Palmyra. But this. <laughs> now, crackers. Here's what she was thinking, y'all. You see, if the prosecutors didn't have Palmyra to testify about those Oleander and antifreeze conversations, and presumably about her cheating on Frank with Daniel... They'd have nothing to convict her on. Which was horseshit, by the way. They had plenty more stuff than Palmyra. It's not like they would have dropped the case. But Angie seems to have convinced herself of that anyway. She's really not that bright, y'all. No. She's really not. No, it it does feel like maybe she gets fixated on one thing that could fix it all, right? Yeah. She's not seeing the big picture. No. Angie. Angie, Angie. So Angie and this fellow inmate had a long conversation about how Palmyra might be gotten out of the way. And the reason we know this, of <laughs> course, is that these conversations were recorded because people in jail tend to want deals. And this woman was a nonviolent offender. She didn't want any part of killing anybody. So this buddy of Angie's had gone right to the investigators when Angie started trying to get her to find a hitman. Good for her. Yeah, in fact, it seems to me that the only people who typically do go to the authorities <laughs> right. in these cases mm-hmm. are the flippin' fellow inmates. And I realize that mm-hmm. sometimes that's because they want consideration. But, like, I'll take it. You know? At right. least somebody's trying to help. And exactly. side note, people who try to hire hitmen from behind bars scare the shit out of me. Because we like to think once somebody is in prison, they're not dangerous anymore. These people are still dangerous. They're still at it. Right. That's terrifying. Yeah, no, it's like, this is like some Arkham Asylum shit where they yeah. just need to be like, locked with a muzzle. <laughs> like Hannibal in a cage. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just seriously, it's though. so scary. That's terrifying. Because you can find a hitman in prison. I mean, it's they're not mm-hmm. all going to be informants. Right. So, anyway. As The Wire recorded every word, Angie spun out various scenarios for getting her oldest friend Palmyra out of the picture. Gosh, she sucks so hard. Well, could the hitman make it look like a suicide? <sighs> Or maybe like a robbery gone bad or a boyfriend gone mad. And true to brand, she also suggested the possibility of poison. Oh, we could use cyanide. Detectives knew this woman was a serious danger to Palmyra. So they set up yet another sting. They went to Palmyra with a makeup artist. They made it look like she'd been shot in the head, posed her in bed, as though she'd been murdered, they took pictures. And then they sent an undercover cop to visit Angie in prison with the pictures. Now, this is one of my favorite law enforcement tricks. 
it's very theatrical and campers i think you know by now that i live for drama and this also does the job of showing the jury what the person acted like when it was done now i do feel kind of bad for the would-be victim but i'm sure it's better than the alternative yeah i mean i'm sure it's a huge blow to realize you know someone wanted you dead but it's better than Mm -hmm. it succeeding and you actually being dead you know and hitman stings are just one of my absolute jams and they're fascinating to me and i think i mentioned this in a previous episode that i just love watching the like video and listening to recordings of people trying to hire hitmen because you just get to see these people with their masks completely off no Mm -hmm. pretense and it's fascinating and chilling i'm getting goosebumps Mm -hmm. just thinking about it plus when you're dealing with a hitman sting nobody's actually lost their life so it's a little bit less like awful and sad you know Right. But, you know, what I have learned from these Hitman Sting shows is that at this point with these Hitmen, it's just 99% undercover cops at this point. Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's only, like, one actual Hitman left in the United States, and he's busy. Like, you got to get on a waiting list. And I hear he's not even that good. He's just the only one <laughs> that there is. And I also just want to share one fun little detail from a Sting video that I watched one time. And I don't remember any details of this case other than this woman wanted, I believe, her husband murdered. And they had this undercover cop, you know, because whoever she had asked to try to find her a hitman had, thank God, gone to the cops. So they had this undercover detective posing as the hitman. And they always try to get money out of you because if you pay money, it shows that you genuinely are serious and you have an intent to follow through. So the detective, as Hitman, says, so do you have any money you can give me as a down payment? And she was like, well, I don't have much. And she pulls out a $5 bill. I shit you not. (laughs) She was like, I've got five bucks. And because it's an undercover officer, he's like, okay, well, it's something. I'll take it. I'm sure if it was a real Hitman, he would have said, no. And then probably would have shot her in the head. Sure. Five dollars. Five dollars. He's like, I've got an Abraham Lincoln that says you'll get this job done right. Like, what are you doing? Anyway, I thought that was astonishing. I have a a George Washington with a name (laughs) on it. God. So you might be wondering what Angie's reaction was to these photos of her best friend. Yeah, which are gnarly looking, by the way. They did a really good job. I mean, this is near L.A., so I guess they had, like, great makeup artists. She goes, oh, my God. I didn't think she'd really do it. Then, for sure, I'm going to go home. And she was, like, grinning ear to ear and flirting with the hitman. Oh, Oh, is is that the only reason you came? (laughs) Oh, my God. She is so gross. So, prosecutors now added a solicitation of murder charge (laughs) to the growing (laughs) list of charges. So Angie had succeeded in doing nothing more than digging herself into a much deeper hole than she started out in. So good job. And a few more interesting little tidbits. So first, after she was arrested, Angie tried to sell the lead detective on the idea that Frank had killed himself with the antifreeze because she was planning to leave him. Uh Uh-huh. She didn't know at that point that her buddy Palmyra was working with the investigators. Yeah, so she didn't know that they knew all that stuff about the Oleander and everything. So she thought she could sell it. 
And another thing, and I forgot to put this in the notes, but um, I'll try and remember as much as I can off the top of my head. They also found some paperwork that was from the lawsuit that Angie and her ex-husband had filed against the Gerber Corporation when Alicia had died. You know, the pacifier thing and everything. And in this paperwork, Mm -hmm. it actually included a report from an expert that her attorney had hired. This expert had found that the likelihood was that this pacifier had actually been stomped on, like intentionally flattened, and that this child had most likely died of like intentional asphyxiation. Oh, wow. Which must have just given her attorney like chills. And Mm -hmm. the thing is, you're thinking, well, why didn't he turn her in? But attorneys can't do that. The attorney client privilege Mm -hmm. is sacrosanct like you get disbarred you can't you know and you can talk about the ethics of that but legally he really can't and Mm -hmm. in the way that the the legalities of the suit worked he was under no obligation to turn that information over to gerber or anything like that and it was just an opinion it wasn't proof it wasn't a fact but yikes right so yet again i mean it's looking very much like she killed her own child so The other thing was that as the investigation continued after Angie's arrest, and investigations do continue after someone is arrested leading up to trial. Not everybody's aware of that, but it's true. Detectives spoke to the first officer on the scene the day of Frank's death. His name was Officer Sharp. And Officer Sharp told them that as he spoke to Angie on the scene, she said she wouldn't be surprised if Frank had been poisoned. Now, this was astonishing, given that Angie hadn't mentioned that to any of the detectives until quite a bit later on in the investigation, nor had she said anything about that to Frank's doctor at the ER, right, shortly before he died. So Mm -hmm. disturbing. And this officer also said that he'd been struck on that day by how unemotional she seemed, except for these occasional kind of weird bursts of, like, whimpers and crying noises, minus any actual tears. No tears, Mm -hmm. just weepy noises and whimpers. And he said everything she said felt rehearsed and insincere, and he was just creeped out. Yeah, that's uh, creepy as fuck. It is. She also seems to have workshopped some alternative theories of Frank's death with some of his family members and former colleagues at his funeral. (laughs) She told Frank's sister that the kids he taught at Angel's Gate didn't like him which was 100% not true, implying that one of them might have killed him. Yeah. She told some people she thought the coworker that she accused of molesting the students did it. And she delivered all these theories in a tone like someone discussing a TV show she had a casual interest in. Mm-hmm. No emotion, no grief, no sadness. At one point, she laid out a theory for Frank's sister in great detail. Someone could have put poison in Gatorade and cookies and served them to Frank. When his sister asked, well, how would you go about poisoning somebody? Angie said, oh, there are lots of ways. Oleander works. You can make a tea out of it. It's easy. After that, the sister quietly told the other members of the family not to eat or drink anything Angie made at the reception. I should say so. Yikes. (laughs) 
And unsurprisingly, Angie was quickly convicted of all charges <laughs> at trial. Solicitation <laughs> of murder, first degree murder. She never admitted to any of it or showed any remorse, even when she was sentenced to death. As a matter of fact, as I recall, she made a little speech about how lying doesn't come easily to me. I'm a, I'm a terrible liar. I'm a woman of integrity. <laughs> Just shut your pie hole, you dumb bitch. Anyway... And it's really kind of delightful to me, if you can find anything delightful in such an awful story, that this biatch could have gotten away with this if she had just been patient enough to wait for the coroner to settle on a cause of death. Like, she 100% initiated this investigation, planted mm-hmm. the idea that it might be a murder, and played herself. Because they weren't even looking at her. They weren't even thinking no. murder. The coroner was like, it was probably natural causes. So, I mean, she just completely created the situation because she wanted the money. Mm -hmm. And she wanted it fast. Again, they don't have an ability, these folks, to put off long-term gain and deprive themselves of short-term reward. So, how'd that work out for you, Angie? She's never been convicted of the murder of her baby daughter, Alicia, but, I mean, I'm saying it. I think she did it. I think it's very Mm -hmm. clear. Yes. I mean, that pacifier had been manipulated, according to that report. By, like, a human foot, like, flattened so it would fit down her throat. Come on. That's very clear to me. And Angie had no doubt a rough childhood, and I'm sure it was a factor in what happened here, but we have to be clear on something. Most people who have rough childhoods, most people who've been abused in that way, never go on to hurt anyone else. Angie made a choice to do that. Yes. And she's now one of only 20 other women on California's death row. Or, in fact, at the moment, she's not. Because, as you campers may know, California just recently issued a moratorium on the death penalty, which granted a temporary stay of execution to over 700 inmates. Which is fine with me, because provided you're guilty, I'd rather see you rot in a stinky little oubliette anyway, because prison sucks. Contrary to popular belief. It's not Mm -hmm. fun in there, okay? Um, So she has appealed. In 2014, her sentence was upheld. And here's a little nugget of joy for you before we go. And I want to tell you... That when I discovered this, I was so delighted that I clapped my hands like a little happy Victorian child in a movie. And I was so excited. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to let Katie read this because she's going to love it so much. I am I blessed. Hashtag my blessed. Team. Angie has a profile on a prison pen pal site because of course she does. And the main page says the following. Katie, take it away. Hello. I am wishing to find a pen friend who is kind, supporting, compassionate, trustworthy, loyal, honest, and not afraid of humor, laughter, and smiles. I love animals. No spiders or bugs. Ow. (laughs) Ow. (laughs) I like to read historical novels, both fiction and nonfiction. I listen to most music. A novel is fiction. So right. blow that out your ass, Angie. <laughs> it's not a novel if it's nonfiction. Read a book, Angie. Correct. Read a book. I listen to most music and crochet as a pastime. I also like learning about places, cultures, lifestyles, people, etc. She likes learning about nouns. <laughs> <laughs> I am looking for a real pen friend. <laughs> as opposed to an imaginary one. Who is looking for a true friend, too. If you want to know more about me, not my case, (laughs) and or tell me about you, 
please write me so we can see if we fit. <laughs> I saw it coming and I could not. <laughs> Until then, ciao for now. And she's spelled ciao. C-H-O-W. <laughs> oh, Angie. C-I-A-O. Ciao for now. Ciao. Ciao down for now. On some and then her little po- poison cookies. <laughs> I, just, I love this little thing at the end. Her little postscript. Please, no dramatics, no game players, no commentators, no judgments, no journalists. No judgments. Blow it out your ass, you hose bag. No judgments. <laughs> I don't want to talk about my case. No journalists. Oh, you suck so bad. Probably no podcasters either, right? Mm, More's the not. pity. Oh, well. There are other fish in the sea, after all. Oh, just digest how ridiculous that was for a second. Anyway, yeah. So, it's a sad <sighs> story. You, oh, you're welcome. I knew you'd enjoy it, so... <laughs> but it's you know it's a sad story and i just so much wish that frank could have seen through her facade i wish he had listened to his co-workers in the first place i wish he'd gotten out of there the day he discovered that gas leak but as we said love can make us do some really really unwise things sometimes so there you go rest in peace frank you did not deserve this Mm-mm. you know we'll have another stranger than fiction story for you next week campers but for now Lock your doors, light your lights, and stay safe until we get together again around the True Crime Campfire. And we want to send a shout-out to our newest patrons, Alex and Christina. We appreciate you to the moon and back. And if you haven't become a patron yet, you're missing out. Patrons get every episode a day early, plus an extra episode a month, and a free True Crime Campfire sticker. We're planning some new merch in the upcoming weeks as well. Some free, some discounted for patrons only. So if you can, come join us. You can follow us on Twitter at TC Campfire, Instagram at True Crime Campfire, and be sure to like our Facebook page. If you want to support the show and get access to extras, please consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash truecrimecampfire.